Hey, this is Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Chapel, Divine, Texas. Would really like to thank you for taking time to check out our podcast, our Sunday sermons, and our Wednesday night Bible studies. You can always share this, download it, or even find it on Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, SoundCloud, and pretty much wherever you can find a podcast. You can also find out about our church service times. We have our Sunday service at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night Bible study at 7 p.m. We're located in the Market Media Building. It's located at 203 East College Avenue, Sweet C in Divine, Texas. Plus, if you need to get any other information from the church, you can do all of this at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. Here's today's teaching. The things that I'm going to give you tonight are are just to help you to have a better understanding of what's going to happen next. And and we're going to go through it as we go through Scripture. So, Daniel chapter 7, verse 1, it says, In the first year of Balthasar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and a a vision of his head while he was on his bed. And and then he wrote down the dream telling the main facts. And now we know that, that this dream that he had is he was given a little bit more than what um, the Nebuchadnezzar uh, received. So Nebuchadnezzar received the dream about the statue, and he's going to have this dream, and it's going to be about animals and wild beasts. And so God's going to give him a little more detail in this dream, and that's, that's where we were at when we left off. And Daniel spoke, saying, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of the heavens were stirring up the great sea. And, and remember the four winds of heaven, that is, that is the Lord moving things where they need to be moved. And the four great beasts came up from the sea, each different from the other. The first like a lion and had eagle's wings. I watched till its wings were plucked off and it was lifted up from the earth and made uh, to stand on two feet like a, man's, like a man and a man's heart was given to it. And suddenly another beast, the second like a bear. It raised up, and on one side it had three ribs in its mouth, and uh, between its teeth, and, and then uh, they said, Thus to, to it arise, devour much flesh. And after this I looked, and behold, another like a leopard, and four wings of a, of a bird on its back, and, and, its, uh, and the beast had four heads, and dominion uh, was given to it. In verse 7 it says, After this I saw the night vision, and behold a fourth beast, terrifying and dreadful, exceedingly strong. It had a great iron teeth, and it devoured and broke in pieces, and stamped what, uh, what was left with its feet, and it was different from all the beasts that were before it. And it had ten horns. So he's talking about the Roman Empire. The ten horns, the legs of iron, and that's uh, that goes back to King Nebuchadnezzar's dream. And, and the Roman Empire was actually known as the Iron Fist. Um, and it goes back to Daniel chapter 2, verse 33. It says the legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. And so the, the Roman Empire was actually also known as the Iron Legions that the Romans had. And so they were known for crushing kingdoms. And they, they led uh, the world like no other. And yet, you know, we'll read as we read on, we'll see that the, uh, the Roman Empire will reemerge, uh, a, a form of the Roman Empire as we, as we dive a little bit deeper here. It says, For I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another horn, a little one, before which three of the first horns were plucked up by uh, the roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking great things. And so we see at the 
end times, it's, it's mixed with, with uh, in King Nebuchadnezzar's dream, it was mixed with iron and clay. And, and then there's that 11th horn, and it's, it's displaying three uh, plucked up by the roots, human eyes and intelligence, like uh, intelligence little horn, and that's dealing with the Antichrist. And also in, we see in Revelation chapter 13, verses 1 and 2, it says, Then I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his heads a blasphemous name. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard, his feet were like a feet of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power, his throne, and his great authority." And so we see the two examples, and this is why I told y'all very early when we started studying the book of Daniel, is we're going to see the similarities in the book of Revelation. Uh, and, and so uh, we see that the beast, and the beast actually refers to two entities. Um, and it's dealing with end times, the end time empires. And so seven heads and ten horns indicate that the beast will be a, a coalition of nations that will rise up and subdue the earth and, and under Satan's control. And the sea represents the Gentiles. Uh, so depicting the Antichrist as a, as a beast that's coming up out of the sea signifies that he will be a Gentile. The Antichrist ten horns represents ten nations of the Confederacy. And then the second half of the tribulation, uh, setting the chapter for the second half of the tribulation during the time the Antichrist will oppose Israel. And after appearing to be its ally, it will turn on them. And then, and, and then figure will, will blaspheme the name of God and signifies by the names on its heads. And so the Antichrist, why is it important for us to learn or for us to even learn about the Antichrist? At the end, it's, it's, it's in God's Word, so we should learn as much as we can about it. Um, he's going to be used by Satan, and, and Satan's the enemy that we go up against uh, as, as we know that he wants to still kill and destroy. And, and, and then he's going to give, uh, this man's going to be given Satan's power. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, it says, So that we would not be outwitted by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his designs. Now, Satan doesn't switch things up. He knows how to get you. He knows the things that are going to trip you up. You don't have to come up with a new playbook and all. If you struggle with pornography, guess what? There's going to be plenty of clickbait that shows up in your in your Instagram or your TikTok or whatever you're looking at. If you struggle with alcohol, he's going to put you in places where they're serving alcohol. I can remember my dad, you know, my dad, alcoholic for many years, an angry drunk. And, uh, and I, I remember he's been sober for, God, it's been 20-something years. And, and I just think about when we take him out to try to make sure he's not around the smell of alcohol. Just because I don't want to tempt him. I don't want him to fall back into that old life again. But that's what Satan will do. Uh, I used to chew tobacco all the time. And most military people did. I don't know if court, court chews on cigars. So that's, that's the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> but what we would do is, is I can still 
be in the aisle, and you can ask Matt this. And I looked to see if they had my, because I chewed something weird. It was a Hawkins. It was a wintergreen. And I'll look, and then Matt will go, what are you doing? And he reminds me, hey, but Satan knows me. He knows how to get me. Let me get you back into this filthy habit again. Get you connected to this, and then maybe I can pull you to something else. So we need to be careful. We need to know who the enemy is. He's always trying to trick us. And the enemy convinces you that, that the person's need, you know, we start to feel shame or guilt of the sin. And, and it's like we fall into the trap to think that, you know, that God can't forgive us. And he can, no matter what we're going through. We had a, we've had some really hard scriptures the last two weeks on Sunday. We had to talk about sin. You have to talk about, you know, if, if, you're, if, you're, you know, you, if your right hand sins, cut it off. If, you know, if your eyes, you pluck them out. And it's like, man. And then we had to talk about divorce this week, which was even tougher. And, all, and then we got to talk about marriage this week, which is even a tough subject for a lot of people. I come from a, a, a broken marriage. You know, me and Teresa, we our marriage should have ended at, at 22 years. Uh, you know, but, but God, God came in. I love that, but God. God came in and saved the marriage. And, and at the end of the day, I don't look back at my old life and as like I'm, I'm forgiven. I left that back. I don't want it to have a, a, a place in my life to where it can pull me backwards. And, and so I, I appreciate what the Lord has done in my life and and we don't want to fall back into those old sin habits. And, and so um, we see what happens when, when sin gets a hold of us. It tears up families and marriages and churches. And it divides many. And so we need to get to know our enemy. The Antichrist will, will come, and he's going to come after the church as well. And all but the church is going to be raptured. And so you'll be raptured if you personally know Jesus Christ. So Jesus can come at any moment. And if we don't know the Lord, we haven't made a commitment to follow Jesus, you're going to be here for the tribulation. The church will be gone. You don't want to be here. If you read and you start reading about this and what's going to happen, it tells us in 1 John 2.18, Children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming. So now many antichrists have come, therefore now that it is the last hour. So we talk about this, the antichrist, the, uh, he, he says there that the, so now many antichrists have come. So God is all-knowing, God is all-powerful, Satan is not. Satan has to have somebody set up for every age to have an antichrist. So there is an antichrist walking this earth right now. That, sh that alone should make you go, man, if I, I need to be rapture ready. Because it tells me in Scripture there that, that there are many antichrists have come. They've already come. So Satan has to have one for each season. And that, the best reason to see the antichrist is because it shows you who Jesus Christ is. That we need Jesus. We have to remember there are times and seasons uh, of human history and, 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 a, 
And, and one of the things that talks about here in, in verse 8, it says, I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another horn, a little horn, before which, the, uh, which, three, of the roots, uh, which three of the first roots were plucked up by the roots. And behold, in the horn were eyes like the eyes of man, and a mouth speaking great things. And so every age has to have an antichrist. But we need to remember when it's Daniel's receiving this, Daniel doesn't know about the church age. He, he didn't receive that part of it in his prophecy. So it's almost like you, you hit a pause button. And the church age is happening right now. That's, this is our time to see people come and know Christ. It's like at the end of the day, you have to invite people. Not it, Look, I don't care if you invite people to church. I would rather you share the gospel with them. If they come to know Jesus right then, I'm happy as a pastor. If they come to church, that's even, that's, that's just gravy on the biscuits at that point, you know? But I would rather you share the gospel with them because they need Jesus right then. They don't need to, look, if you see somebody on Tuesday or Wednesday and you invite them to church on Sunday and their life's a mess on Tuesday and Wednesday, they need Jesus right then. They don't need to wait till Sunday. This is where the church has lost its mind on this part of it. It's like, at the end of the day, what we're called to do is to share the gospel. That's our, what, that's our calling. And so we don't, we don't invite somebody on Thursday when they need Jesus on Thursday. Right? And so there are times and seasons. So the church age, when we talk about the book of Daniel... The old, old, the old Testament prophets didn't have an understanding of the church age. There was, a, there was a pause hit on it. Daniel didn't get this part of it. And then what's going to happen is that pause button is going to be released. And then the rapture is going to happen. You see, what, when we talk about that pause button, what's, what's happened is Israel's been blinded. God's going to come back for Israel and deal with Israel. And many people will be saved. In Romans chapter 11, verse 25, it tells us this. It says, Let, Lest you be wise in your own sight, I do not want you to be unaware of this mystery, brothers. A partial hardening has come upon Israel. So there, it tells us there's a mystery, and then there's been a partial hardening until the fullness of the Gentiles have come. Right now, it's time for, the, for us to come to know Christ. It's, it's the body. It's people around us. And eventually it's going to be the nation of Israel. Because Jesus will again turn to the nation of Israel. That's why when we talk about Israel as a church, that's why it's so important. That's God's nation. God's going to return for His people. And so when we turn our back as a nation ourselves on Israel, we're turning our back on God and God's people. And see, we're moving, uh, moving from the past to the future, and then we're looking forward. We got, a, we got the picture, right? Daniel didn't have all that. We have everything from Genesis to Revelation. There's nothing else to be added to the book of the Bible. Everything we need is right there. Now, there are some mysteries we won't know till we get to heaven. But Daniel didn't see this part of the church age. Yet God, what I love is God shows Daniel more because he's a, a godly man. He shows Nebuchadnezzar a statue. 
but he shows the the Daniel that there's all these ungodly beasts, these crazy animals. And he's going to give a fresh perspective to, to Daniel. So what happens next? The rapture of the church. That's next. That's what's on deck. There's no other prophecy that needs to be fulfilled. The raptures, and it tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, 52. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will uh, be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. In the twinkling of an eye. That's in an instant. It happens. That can happen at any time. And people will say, well, it's been 2,000 years. Right? Is he coming? He's trying to save people. Because he never intended any of us to be in hell. That's, that's, that's his grace. His mercy is long-suffering. The next thing that happens then is the rise of the Antichrist. And so after the church is taken out, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 7 and 8, it says, For the mystery of the lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then lawlessness uh, one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. So remember, it's an antichrist, a satanically empowered man who will gain worldwide control. Through the promise of peace. And he'll be aided by another man who's he'll be called the false prophet, who heads up the, the religious system that requires worship of the Antichrist. And that's in Revelation nineteen twenty. It says then the beast was captured and with the sign and the false prophet who worked signs in his presence by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image, the two were cast alive into the lake of fire burning with brimstone. So we know what's going to happen to them, what, what the end of the story is going to be for the devil and for the Antichrist. As we have the, uh, the rapture happen, then we begin the seven-year tribulation period. And that's when God's judgment is going to be poured out on humanity. On our sinfulness. The Antichrist will rise to power. And it's associated during the tribulation on earth. And the church will be in heaven. And during this time it's uh, the judgment seat of the Christ uh, of the marriage supper of the Lamb will occur in heaven. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 10 it says, For we must all appear before the judge seat of Christ that each one of us may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. So that is the bema seat of judgment for believers. Now, you're, you're not, you're, your sin's been paid for by Jesus. Past, present, future sin's paid for. What this is, is we still have to give an account for every thought, everything, anything that we did. And I know for me that, that weighs heavy on my heart because I did a lot of bad stuff. Before Christ, I, I mean, I look back at my life and the mess I made with my kids. I don't want to live, relive that. But that's not who I am. 
And, and, and at the end of the day, I'll be in heaven whether I get any reward or not. I, I just look at it as like, I'm in heaven, man. I'm, I'm good. <laughs> right? If I'm, if I'm coming in, you know, putting myself out as I come in, and I have to give, give, uh, you know, give account for those things, which we will all do, it's okay, you know, because at the end of the day, it's, it's, to me, it's, it's just a reminder that God's character and how much He loves us and how much He, he died, uh, sending His Son to die on the cross for us. And, and think about it, He's going to reveal whether your works were, were good or evil. So even as you serve the church, what, where the works, or you serve Him, where your works good or evil. And we'll talk about that as we talk about marriage this week. That's Because that's a place of service. For me as a husband, I'm called to be the, the leader of the home. Which means if I'm the leader of the home, I'm the least of the home. Which means I'm supposed to serve my wife and my kids. And, and so for, for me, it's, it's one of the things that, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I look at those, those 22 years before Christ. What a mess. I didn't realize that half the stuff was in the Bible about marriage until I started reading the Bible. I was like, I didn't know this was here. Like, it gives me a detail of what I'm supposed to be as a husband and a father. It tells me. I thought the Bible was just for the priest. I used to go to Catholic church once a year. I thought that was just for him to read. I didn't realize I was supposed to be reading it every day. In Revelation 19, six, verse, uh, 19 verses 6 through 10, it says, And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as the sound of many waters, and as the sound of many thunderings, saying, Hallelujah for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and re- uh, rejoice and give him glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come. We're his bride, the church. And his wife was made herself ready. And to her was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright. For the fine linen is righteous act of the saints. Then he said to them, Right blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to, uh, to me, These are the true sayings of God. And I fell at the feet to worship him. But he said to me, See that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant and of your brethren who have testimony of Jesus. Worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And we talked about that. The spirit of prophecy, the, the purpose of prophecy is to point you to Jesus. That's why the church, you hear people get into prophecy and you go, man, they just talk about end times, end times. It's to point you to Jesus. That's the purpose of it. It's important. It's to make us be ready to look up and, and be ready for His return. To think that we're going to be at the marriage, lupper, uh, marriage supper of the Lamb and, and just to, that we get to participate in that. And guess what? We're doing that while the tribulation's happening here. And the church is gone. And then they're going to be all this stuff. We blame the Christians for that. Or why are the Christians this way? And then lawlessness. Do you think what you see in New York City or any of these cities where people are getting stabbed? The lady just got beat. 70 years old, Asian woman got beat too. I mean, they don't think she's going to survive. Her brain got beaten in. And the guy just said, I mean, that dude's bigger than me. He was like this big, just wailing on her. 
And he knew there's no cops coming. It's going to be that bad. Because there's lawlessness. They're not going to follow the laws. They don't have to. It's, it, you don't want to be around during that time. Next up is the battle of Gog and Magog. And this is the first part of the tribulation. The great army for the north in alliance with several other countries from the Middle East will, and Africa will attack Israel. And then they're defeated by God's supernatural intervention. And we see what's happening right now with Russia and, and the moving of pieces and Syria and all this stuff is all setting up for this battle. The nations are already in place. They just don't have all their armies there yet. It's coming. Then you have the abomination of desolation. That's the midway point of the seven-year tribulation period. The Antichrist breaks his covenant with Israel and shows his true colors. The Jews are scattered. And many of them turn to the Lord realizing that Jesus is the Savior. But there's going to be a great persecution that breaks out for those who believe in Christ. You probably will be killed. There's a good chance of it. But we know some of them do survive though. And then you have the battle of Armageddon. As next, at the end of the tribulation, Jesus returns with his armies of heaven. In Mark chapter 14, verse 62, we'll be going over this as we go verse by verse in the book of Mark. Jesus said, I am, and you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the power and coming with the clouds of heaven. See, Jesus came as the Lamb, but he's coming back as the conquering king, the lion. So it's important for us to understand when he returns, that's it. It's too late. Decisions made. And, and, and that's the thing with us is as we think about our, our choice to, to follow Christ or not follow Christ, if you don't make the choice here, the decision's made for you. You either choose to follow Jesus here. When you die, the choice is made for you. It's too late. You have to choose to follow Christ here. You have to give your heart to Christ here. You have to repent of your sins here. By then it's too late. Next we have the judgment of the nations. And Christ will judge the survivors of the tribulation, separating the righteous from the wicked as sheep from goats. And I've already read you all this verse many a times. And, and, and after they separate the sheep and the goat, if you're a goat, it, it, it covers that. It says in, um, in Matthew chapter 25, verses 41 through 46, it says, Then he will depart. He says, He will set, uh, set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on his left. I always read that, and I think, man, that's kind of what's happening right now. <laughs> right. And then he will depart also and say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, you gave me no drink. I was stranger, and you did not take me in naked, and you did not clothe me sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. And this is, I think, where a lot of the religious are going to end up. Because they're following a dead religion. He's going to say to them, they're going to re reply back and say, that, then they uh, also will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty? 
or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you. Then he will answer them and say, Assuredly, I say to you, as as much as you did not do it to one, of these, uh, to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal fire. So, very important that you understand, every person has eternity. We just have different addresses. It's either hell or heaven. And, and that's, that's hard for some people to get. Then we have, I'll speed this up because we've got to get through this. Uh, then we have next the binding of Satan. Right? Satan will be bound and held in the bottomless pit for the next thousand years, which will enter into the millennial kingdom. Right? That'll be next. And Jesus himself will rule the world. There will actually be something called a theocracy where this world will be actually perfect. And Jesus will rule. And there'll be people that will, will come back. But you're not married when you come back because you're in, your, you're in your glorified body. But the people that, this is what's crazy about this. And I, had to, I always have to ask the question is, the people that uh, are saved during the tribulation, that come to know Christ during the tribulation, whether they're Israelites or Gentile, they're, they're going to be in the millennial. And they're going to be able to still, they won't have a glorified body the way we do without sin but they'll be able to appropriate and fill the the earth and as the earth is filled what happens next is the last battle at the end of a thousand years satan is released for a short period of time which is making that i i read this and i was like man there's a lot of questions i have right why would you bound him and let him go well guess what i'm not god because guess what's going to happen? They're going to be kids, youth, that are going to grow up in a perfect world. Adam and Eve. Think about it. Tree of life. They didn't have to eat the fruit. These kids are going to, going to grow. And it's going to be, the earth is going to be very well populated. And they're going to be deceived by Satan. Even though they had Jesus with them. And, and man, I read that and I was like, why? Why? I had to ask that question, why? It's, 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 it's proof that the heart is desperately wicked and can only be changed by God's grace. It's a tragedy to think about it, to be honest, that they had, they had God there, the Son of God, and yet they're going to fall. You know, it, it's, it's one of those things that's in the Bible that you, you read and you just go, wow. But I started thinking about it. It's just like Adam and Eve. At, and, at, and, you know, everything was perfect. And they still were deceived by Satan. Next up is the great white throne of judgment. Now, the great white throne of judgment, that's the judgment that happens if your name is not written in the book of life. If you're a believer, you're not going to be here for that. Uh, that, that, that's not something that you'll be judged on because you're, you have been forgiven of your sins. But those that are judged on the great white throne of judgment will, uh, will spend eternity in hell and be thrown into the lake of fire. And then eventually the last thing there is going to be the new creation. God will completely uh, remake the heavens and the earth. And so this earth and everything that's in it is gone. It's done. 
And, and so that's in Revelations 21 and 22. And so Daniel gets a look into this as he looks into Scripture. But again, he's, he's missing the pausing period of the church age. But he got the, the, the stuff about the Antichrist. And it says in this last verse here, we'll, we'll stop it here because I know we're getting a little bit long. And it says, as, long, uh, as I looked, thrones were placed, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. His, his throne was a fiery flames, and its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came out before him. A, a thousand thousand served him, and ten thousands times ten thousand stood before him. The court sat in judgment, and the books were opened. So that's what that's talking about, the great white throne of judgment. It's in the Bible. It's in the book of Daniel. And so God's judgment is going to happen. And, and, and what we see here, the ancient of days, God is over all time, seasons and everything. So everything that's happening right now, God knows what's going to happen. And, and one of the things that I, that, that I was really praying for this week is... is you know, as a nation, what we need to be doing is we need to be on our knees praying. The Christians. We need to be praying for our nation. We need to be praying for this president and this administration, our Senate and our House, because we can see good and evil. We can see things that are on both sides. It doesn't matter if you fall on whatever side you fall on. We see things that don't, are not right. And so what a Christian should be doing is be on their knees praying that God would, would step out and, 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 and turn this nation back to Him. Remember, He's a perfect holy God and His justice is on the throne. And so if you don't think God won't judge an administration or a Republican or a Democrat that He's put there, God can remove them like that. It's sad because what I see today, it, it, it has nothing to do with politics. We're just not taking care of people. It breaks my heart to see what's happening, not only in, in the Ukraine, to the people of the Ukraine, but also breaks my heart to see what's happening to Americans. Because I know there are probably senior citizens that are out there choosing whether or not they put gas in the car or they get their medicine. We live in a town that does four food bank uh, distributions a month. And it, it's packed. And you can imagine the way things are now, it's getting worse. Gas prices have gone up and we need to turn to God. His judgment is precise. And he will deal with uh, those on the great white throne of judgment. Everything's going to be laid out to them. And, and they will be found guilty. And then they get thrown into the lake of fire. And finally it says in verse 13 and 14, I saw in the night vision, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like the Son of Man, and he came uh, to the Ancient of Days and was pre uh, presented uh, before him. And... To him given dominions and glory and kingdoms that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. And that again is Jesus returning. The Son of Man and that, that, that term is used over 70 times in the Bible. 
Matthew chapter 26, verse 63 through 64, it says, But Jesus remained silent, and the high priest said to him, I, I adjure you by living uh, God, tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus said to, to him, You have said so, but I tell you, from now on you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Fully God, fully man. You can read Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11 later on when you get some time. And we'll end it here in, in Psalm chapter 1, verse 12. We need to recognize that his kingdom is coming. And in Psalm chapter 2, verses 1 through 12 is a beautiful psalm. It tells us, why do, you, why do the nations rage against the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell you of, his, of the decree. The Lord said, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like potter's vessels. Now therefore, O kings, be wise, be warned. O rulers of the earth, serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son lest he be angry and you perish the way for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. I would not want to be a leader today. Not unless I was doing the right thing. Because it tells you right there, now, therefore, O kings, be wise, be warned. Be warned. O rulers of the earth, serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. That's the prayer you need to be praying for your senate, your house, your administration, and your president. And then after you get done with that, you can start hitting Russia and Iran and China. And you can start praying for all of them. Christians need to get back to praying for our, our nation. God has allowed these people to be put there, but God can remove them just as quickly as he put them there. If they're doing things that are evil, God can expose it. If they're doing things that are unjust, God can expose it. Because he's on the throne. Not them. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for tonight. We do thank you that we can come and just be in your word. And um, it's a lot to take in. Daniel is a, is a Daniel 7 is a, a chapter that we're going to continue on next week. Hopefully get it finished. And uh, we just want to make sure we understand the order of things. Um, but the main thing is, is that we understand the rapture is coming. That your son is returning. That we would be ready. Lord, I thank you so much just for, uh, for us being here tonight. I know that there are some that weren't, weren't able to make it tonight. We pray for them and pray for those that are watching online as well. We thank you for, uh, again, for allowing us to be in this building. Uh, we pray for the event coming up on April 2nd. And uh, just pray for, uh, for many uh, to come to know the Lord that night. 
and and I just lift anybody up if there's anybody that's struggling with anything that's something that's on their heart or on their mind and they just came in feeling with it just heavy because uh, that happens sometimes I've, I know I've come to church and been worried about a family member or something that was going on in, in our marriage or I just pray that we would be able to um, lay that at your feet find rest find peace find your love your mercy your grace and and find Jesus uh, we thank you so much for today and we ask these things in Jesus name amen Thank you so much. That was Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Divine, Texas. Remember, if you need to get more information on the church, you can do that at calvarydivine.org. God bless.